And we are live. So hello and welcome to another episode of Strong Tea. I'm Vicky. And I'm Katie. And if you haven't heard of us or listened to any of our episodes before, how dare you? Please rude. go back to our back catalogue. So rude. Um, please listen to all our previous episodes. We have had some utterly inspirational, incredible guests. And today is no exception. So let's all talk about what Strong Tea is. Strong Tea is a podcast where we talk about topics that could be considered taboo, controversial, things that we think people should be talking about and definitely learning more about. And we're no exception. We use this platform to teach ourselves and get ourselves more up to date with more knowledge of things that are happening in the world, in our lives, in society that we really need to be talking more about. Was Absolutely. that a good description? A pretty good. Uh, yeah, nailed it, mate. Nailed it. Awesome. And today's guest is our wonderful Sam. Sam, what are you drinking, my lovely? I am actually drinking a chai um, oh, uh, blend. Nice. It's good. You can also make chai lattes out of it if you want, just by yourself at home. Ooh. Is, that like, is that like something that you bought from like, uh, like a supermarket, like a blend that you can just buy? Or is it something you buy from like a specialist place? Yeah, the specialist place. They have their own little bags made and they make it there actually because they have to you have to put a whole bunch of blends together and to get the chai. So chai is really popular now, isn't it? It's like the Yeah, it's there. huge. Yeah. 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 Everywhere you go, they have, yeah. they have chai. Mm. But it tastes yeah. lush. It just reminds me of Christmas. Chai I don't yeah. know why. There's just something Cinnamon. which is quite ironic yeah. because of what I've got to drink today, but yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just dive right in. I'm I'm drinking uh, Bird and Blend mold mold cider. You've really pushed the boat out on the Christmas scent there. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. you guys me... have something to do with Christmas. <laughs> you guys drink a lot of Christmassy teas. <laughs> we do love a Christmas tea, and you want to see us when we get close to Halloween as well. We're like, oh my god, oh, oh pumpkin tea, pumpkin spice. Oh, really? <laughs> Pumpkin spice. That, we need to get that over here in the Netherlands because it's not, that's 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 still lagging. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I was in Amsterdam, Amsterdam a few weeks ago, and the coffee over there. Oh my goodness! Take the back of your off. It's just it's so strong. It's not so much volume; it's the intensity and the quality. The coffee is good in Amsterdam. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Have you been to Italy? Yeah, that's just crazy. <laughs> that's even that's more. Just, yeah, that's just yeah, too much for me. We go into Italy, we go into Italy in a couple of weeks, and I'm just like, yeah, espresso, come on. <laughs> yeah. but, but their their normal cafe is is for us an espresso. Yeah. So, like every time I go there, my girlfriend's Italian, but every time I go there, I have to say, okay, I want. A, a coffee but water at the side so I can mix it too just some hot water I'm just that kind of person who can't take it yeah it's proper so, thick though it's like oil you think do I drink it or use it in my car <laughs> so if your girlfriend's Italian then does she think that everywhere else the coffee is like really wishy-washy and that she's just like this is awful Yes. Oh no. Yes. So <laughs> it's funny that you're actually saying that in Amsterdam we have really good coffee because my girlfriend she's just like, "Oh my god, where <laughs> do you guys have good coffee?" <laughs> and then when she does find it, she's like, "Okay, we have to go there. We have to keep on going there." <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I'm not drinking drink, I'm not drinking anything Christmassy at all. I'm drinking something quite summery. I'm uh-huh. drinking Bird and Blend Candy Floss. Oh. Whoa. <laughs> I know. And it's got because it's loose leaf tea, it's got tiny little uh, coloured sugar stars in. Aww. That's so cute. Very cute. <laughs> Very cute. So it's it's a it's a nice sweet tea. Yeah, it's a Chinese white tea with apple pieces and hibiscus with elderberries and sprinkles, also including mm. rose hip, freeze dried strawberry, red corn flowers, and blue corn flowers. No less. Oh. Very pretty oh. to look at as well as a. Yeah. yeah, I know, and it smells. Um, yeah, it smells candy flossy. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's good. But I have to. I'm having to experiment with the amount of time it takes to, you know, when you when you um oh, yeah. stew it oh, and how yeah. long it takes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, it's yeah. not enough, or it's too yeah. much. You got to get right in the middle. So. Do you guys also have like um how do you say that thermometers to um see how hot your water is before you? Oh put my lord! No, I'm oh, not. No. no? <laughs> oh, okay. 
<laughs> maybe we should I mean it took me a while but I invested in this which is a, like a little loose leaf Ooh. tea caddy um yeah. but I didn't have one of those and we were just purely tea bags up until uh, the January sales and then I went nuts didn't I Vicky and I, yeah. I already have the biggest box of tea bags that you can imagine categorized oh they're all categorized yeah it's it's um an old advent calendar that my husband bought me one of the harrods ones that's got all the little drawers in and i took all the things out and put all the tea bags in so i knew where everything was to to like get rid of all the boxes get it all sorted all labeled and then i was like where am i gonna put my loose leaf tea so I've got a whole other cup of fun. Yeah, I know, I know. The collection, the collection continues. But before we talk about tea for the entire episode, oh, yeah. we always yeah. find ourselves doing, don't we? We've kind of got yeah. on a tangent. It's either biscuits or coffee, but that's okay. It's an important thing to talk about. Um, but I want to introduce you to our incredible guest today. And there are simply no other words to describe her because... What she's going to talk about today is an incredibly sensitive topic. Um, I can't imagine it's going to be an easy topic to listen to or to discuss. So there will be trigger warnings in place for this, where we will be discussing uh, historic childhood sexual abuse and numerous other topics, which some people may find hard to listen to. But it is such an important topic to bring out onto this platform and talk about. And Sam, we can't thank you enough for having the bravery and strength to talk yeah. about this. So um, without further ado, can you tell us your story, please? Of course. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, it all started uh, way back when um, in Canada. Um, we were all living there um, still uh, because right now I live in the Netherlands. So we've all... Um, uh, dispersed around the world um but uh when we were were living in canada um it started with my father my father he um he was not a very good man to cope with stress um the stress levels basically made him be very angry at home um angry towards his children especially his children um so we were just um physically abused by him um day in day out um and um it was not a very nice lovable home that we had um uh, because well my father he's a very he he's he's nice uh, at times but then once he was just too stressed about his work he would come home and well you would just have to walk on eggshells and because we were, we didn't really know how it was to have a, well, a family, basically, um, and actually the love that you are supposed to get from a family. Um, so the mother that would be at home and the father that would come home and he would just play games with ki- with his kids or whatever they do in all families. Um, but they... Um, just because us as children, we were we were four. Um, I have a big sister uh, and, uh, well, now three brothers. But back then, it was one older brother still and one younger brother. So I was in the middle. Um, and my biggest sister, she always got the worst of it. Um, she um, was, well, my father expected her to be a boy, first of all. Um, and that really put a strain on her and also in their within their relationship so she was already um i i don't know if i should say bullied by my father but she was she was never she was always the black sheep um which made her self-esteem already like as low as possible and she was never allowed to do anything from him either and um um then you had my brother my older brother he is two years older than I my sister is um three years older than I Uh, but my uh older brother who's two years older than I he um he was the favorite of, of us all for my father because he was a boy that's the first um and second he would help him out uh with his um company a lot 
And um, he was very sporty. Uh, my father wanted us all to be super sporty and healthy, um, run um, marathons and stuff. Well, we never got it, got to a marathon. We were super, we were kids, so of course not. Um, but he was the the favorite of them all, um, of us all. And then you had me. Um, well, I was, I was, I had a little bit more freedom than the rest. Um, uh, I was the one who was supposed to take care of the house. So my father, he would leave me behind, um, with my little brother, uh, to take care of the house. However, I was, I was super small. I had no idea what I was doing, um, and young. So every time he would leave me behind, I would just do whatever I wanted, but then he would come home, but then it would be a mess still. And then it would, well, the abuse would start. Because well, he would already be stressed out, stressed out from work, and then well, me on top of it, and the one plus one makes two. And then we have my little brother. Um, he's three years younger, four years younger than I am. Um, and he he didn't get much attention at all. He was just there, and he was just too young in my father's eyes to do anything. Um, but my father was really strict on him too, um, on, uh, doing his best in school. And if he didn't get good grades, then, well, he, he would get a smack or a boot, a boot. So it was, it was really harsh for everybody. And especially, um, my mom, um, she was away most of the time. Um, so two weeks on two weeks off, uh, she would be gone, um, on a trip for my father for his business um, so he, she would be gone a lot and she wouldn't really get to know what was going on at home so my father he would never abuse us also at home either when she was there but when she wasn't there then that's all he could do because he didn't use his words um, so he didn't teach us anything good, good either with that because well if you get angry, then you don't use your words. Well, that's not a good thing either. So instead of talking about it with each other, we would look for other ways to uh, well hurt the other one or, well, yeah. Um, but what happened with the sexual abuse is when we were in one, two, three, third house, um, we moved a lot, um, just because my father, he didn't, he didn't have enough money to pay bills. So he would just like hop from house to house. Um, and he would be always looking for a new, uh, opportunity to either save money or I don't know. Um, and, uh, in, oh, first, uh, wait, go back a little bit, um, because I'm not sure if this is something um, if I dreamt it or not, but it is something that is really like stuck, stuck, um, all my life actually. And I don't know if it started then, but, um, I was in the house with my bigger brother and my sister and, um, our neighbor came over as well. And then my sister and I, we were just laying on the bed, just, we were playing a game or something. And then our neighbor boy he came in together with my brother and then they all of a sudden just said okay but who do you choose to each other and then the neighbor boy said my sister and then my brother he pointed at me and then I was like no this is just super weird so I I left I ran out of the house that was that was I don't know what happened but still to this day I'm not sure if that was a um uh, a dream or if I just suppressed it or whatever because it's super fuzzy in my head I don't know but um uh after that um my there was is one time where my mom and father they were gone I was together with my brother at home um and nobody else was home I have no idea why anymore but um my brother he really wanted to sleep in my room he for some reason just he really persisted and 
I was okay. That's fine. You can sleep on my bed, and I can sleep on our sister's bed. And he, we were just talking um, at first, and we just—I don't know. He, he he was really friendly at that moment. He was just really trying to um, break the ice, let's say. And then um, we were laying both like the two beds were placed beside each other and he was laying over there and I was saying on the left side and he was on the right. And then um, he looked over and then he Sam, he said, Sam, do you want to? And I'm like, mm, what do you mean? And he's just like, he, he like, he made the movement with his pelvis up and down. And then I was like, no, that that's super weird. Why would you do that? No, we're not going to do that. And then he's just like, yeah, well, he, he kept on pushing and he was like, yeah, but it's, it's okay. We can do it. It's fine. Nobody will know. And, um, it's, it's okay if you, if, if, if we just do it and he, he then, I don't know, I just gave in at a certain point because I was like, well, he's this guy, he's it's my brother, but he just won't stop. And what's the harm that can be done? I, I don't know. I, I just. I just blacked out and I was like, okay, let's go then, I guess. And then he, he jumped over to my bed and he, he laid on top of me and he just is, is super weird, but it's like, he was really into it and he kissed me and he was just really trying to feel everywhere that he could and it I knew it was super wrong my eyes were like super open the whole time and I didn't know what I had to do because it was just it's my brother on top of me like what is this and I've of course I've seen it like in in movies and everything but this is not how it's supposed to be and I don't know what's happening so then I just stayed there and then I, I didn't do anything. I was just frozen. I was like, this is not good. So I um, I had to get him off me. <laughs> so I just, I just let him, yeah, go. <laughs> okay. And then at a certain point, he, he stopped and he got off. And that was it. <laughs> How old were you at the time, Sam? I was I was about eight years old. No, ten. Sorry, ten. Yeah, and he was he was twelve. Mm. And I didn't I didn't I didn't know where it came from or what why. I I, I didn't understand until not too long ago, actually, about um, five years ago, I um, met my sister in Switzerland, and um, because my mom lived there, so we would go to her house now and then, and then um, she, my sister, she all of a sudden came out with that my, that she would have sexual um yeah intercourse then with my brother also so he was sexually abused by my sister and also my sister was sexually abused by someone else from school oh my gosh so it's like a I don't know. I I've I've heard like not I've heard, but during therapy it's people who have not had a very stable, lo loving family around them. They they just tend to look for it on, amongst the siblings because mm. it's 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 love. And mm. if that feels okay then then you just you you'll actually try and keep on going with it and if it feels okay for you then it can grow mm. but 
and that's what happened between my brother and my sister but i i knew that it was not okay but i did not know that what what went on between my sister and my brother i did not know that until five years ago was that at your sister's instigation or that she started it you mean yeah with my brother Hmm. yeah yeah because well my brother didn't he didn't know and didn't want to either Hmm. it was because my sister she had it well she said um during school well during school somebody from school um and it felt okay I guess for her and well she wanted to try it and then she started um Sam thank you for sharing everything you're talking about because it's I mean even to sit here and listen to it it sounds so painful and I can't can't even begin to imagine how that felt. So thank you for being brave and sharing your story. In in the aftermath of that happening, what what was it like being around your brother? How did he how did he act around you? And did you, you know, were you were you trying to reach out and tell your other siblings or your parents that this was happening? And what was the sort of environment like? Um, my brother and I, we had a really weird, um, relationship also after that, um, because I would really try to avoid him a lot. Um, so if he would come sit near me, I would take a little, like, snudge to the side, or, um, if he would hug me, then I would just freeze and... I would just always be looking out for what if he does something or do I need to do I need to run do I have to scream I have no idea uh, so I would always be walking on eggshells around him but at the same time he was trying to look for a friendly relationship with me as in a brother sister relationship so he would just well, you know, the brothers, they like to tell, well, brothers, siblings, they just like to tell each other what to do. And that was my brother. He really, like, overly excessively did that too. Um, But he was, of course, trying to compensate for all of his hurt and all of his trauma as well. So it was just one to the other, let's say, that my brother, he was... Well, he was a he was abused by his father and his sister, and he was so small and he was super confused. So all of this was for him so he was a child and he had no idea what's going on. And I didn't either. And how could we get past such a thing? We 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 couldn't because all we learned from my father is to use your your body and your your hands and hit things and don't use your words so it was super uncomfortable for us both to be around each other we couldn't I don't know and even to this day we I don't talk with him anymore (laughs) um but he has tried to um get, go into therapy with my sister um so but he kept on how do you say that backing out because once the date would approach even the day before he would back out because he's so in his head he is also he was also addic- addicted to weed for the longest time um well of course we all know why it's to just suppress everything that has happened and all of the his world in his head to suppress it so that he doesn't have to feel it but that also means that he doesn't step up step up for what he actually did either so I have to live with that too so I have to 
<laughs> talk about it in this way that he that like the understanding of why he can't do it and I can't I can never push him too because I if I ever talk with him about about it I think we'll be way down the line to be honest because right now he's just he's he's not ready at all and he's two years older than I am so it's I don't know I think the fact that you're even looking at it from his point of view as to what was happening for him, you know, why he became an abuser. And even now, kind of, you sound like you're you're being quite patient. I think, you know, I, I'm so in awe of you. I just so in awe. Um, just a, sorry, just the very fact that you're kind of thinking about um, how hard it was for him as well. That's just that's just the incredible, wonderful person you are. Um, but my question really is about, you know, growing up, there must have been such conflict because with siblings and families, they're supposed to be protective over you. They're supposed to yeah. stop stuff like this happening. How did you deal with that trauma growing up? Well, <sighs> I... I didn't know what was happening, actually. I really didn't, because I thought that every family was like this. I didn't know. I didn't know that um, your brothers were not supposed to do what my brother did. I didn't know that your father would not hit you. Well, some people got like a smack over the head, of course, but I didn't know it was not normal. I shut myself off completely actually to my to my body I couldn't feel I couldn't I didn't um, want to give in to my emotions because it was really it was it was a it was a, a a whole a whole world basically that I did not understand and I didn't want to because this if I let it in then it would get too much so I would shut it off and I, I, the thing is, I didn't even know I shut it off, actually. My body, my brain just did it for me. And I always lived from day to day, but never happy. I was, it, it was such a weird, fearful situation at home because you had my brother on the one hand and on the other side, my father and my traumas, I, had, I didn't even know I had traumas until like not too long ago when they diagnosed me with PTSD. So it was really, I, I'm actually really thankful for my body for and my mind just for shutting off, to be honest, because that's what you, it, it's just too much. And there are so many, like, I'm talking about other people, of course, but there are so many people out there who maybe they don't even know about their they're shutting off from their emotions or bodies and it's it, it's something biological that you'd need or else you just would not be able to bear all of that stress and it's i didn't have any tools so that was basically the coping that i had from my well with my trauma traumas <laughs> When you've talked about their not realizing, you know, as a child, because all of that felt normal to you, you didn't realize there wasn't meant to be abuse or violence in the home. When you got to the point where you did understand that that was wrong and almost came to the realization about what you've been subjected to, how did you feel? Like, was there a, was there a rush of emotion or did you still sort of shut it out? Yeah, that's actually a really good question, to be honest, because it was, uh, I still shut it off. I shut it out, even though I knew that I had PTSD and I knew that what happened was wrong because I I gradually got there because, well, I've, uh, I've told you guys also, but I've tried to tell someone before and that person was actually my ex and 
he just shut me down right away and told me this is disgusting and don't ever talk this this is gross i don't want to know and then i was also just like okay that so that's not normal okay why is he acting like that this is that's weird and then that actually pushed me to think okay something is up i guess and my ex actually the, the same person he told me he was like you're never really open about your past i have no idea who your father is i have no idea what happened in canada and what what happened i don't know and you're you're just super closed about it and that's when i was like okay i need to find some way to tell him but it's it's a whole story so i don't know how to bring him into my life and in that part of my life because it's he will never be able to understand especially after he reacted in that way so I was also ashamed of telling him about my past so I didn't want to but at the same time I knew if I didn't then I would the, the relationship would end because he was well he wanted to know me but he couldn't because I couldn't I couldn't either I couldn't tell him like okay well I was sexually abused and physically abused by my family okay great but if somebody comes from a family a loving family with a a father and mother still together and a sister and they are they've been living in the same house since since their birth and um they can talk about things they're really loving with each other and then you you come in and then you have to tell them well not them but tell him how you have had it even though like you have a lot of compassion or empathy I don't I don't know if he could I don't know if he could deal with it I don't know if he would be able to give me what I needed so maybe it was my brain also telling me this guy is not the right guy who can give you the support that you need. So that's, I think that was also a reason why I did not tell him either. So when he told me that I didn't, I didn't talk about my past, I went to seek out therapy. And that's when they said, well, they said that I have PTSD and that I needed to do something about it. And they, um, gave me this package of like eight weeks or something um, and they had um, it was a form of EMDR so they would instead of have the visual they would have the the sounds and then they would just ask me well how you do EMDR you talk about the situation and you try to um, you try to uh distracts your your brain and make sure that you are here and stuff like that but it didn't work at all but i wasn't i wasn't good enough to at that moment to tell that person that therapist that i it didn't work i i my my border my how do you say that my boundaries they 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 were non-existent and i would not come like come up for myself i would not and that was the first time I had therapy and I was like well okay and then when I'm done when I was done I it didn't do shit sorry <laughs> no <laughs> you're okay away. <laughs> <laughs> um and so but even then I always I always say that I lived in a movie before and that's that's literally how it felt like I was just I was floating through life everywhere because I was just, I was cut off from my, my, my body. And I didn't feel, I, I didn't, I didn't feel how you should feel the emotions that you can have them strong. You can, you can actually care about something that I did not have. I did not give a shit about a lot of things, but it's not that I chose to not give a shit. It was I couldn't because it wasn't there that I don't know what happened. And so it progressed. Um, well, that guy, he didn't stay with me for that long for three years and then it was done. And then um, uh, I went to college and I had a great time because then I started drinking. 
and I drank a lot. Um, that was basically uh, four days a week. I uh, um, I, would, I went drinking and I had now and then also a little bit of weed just to see how that is and just see how much I could feel. And of course, when you are intoxicated, you can feel more or you get numb. I felt amazing because it <laughs> if I can feel at least amazing, that's that's great. And then I don't have to think about my past. But also I had I I had no boundaries with other people then too. So I would I would actually um go into bed with whoever. It didn't really matter. And it I don't know, that that wasn't the best time for me either because it was uh um alcohol plus having no self-confidence no self-esteem and the guys who are looking just to hook up uh, that's I guess it got me through but it wasn't the best time so firstly I'm I'm so sorry that you had that reaction when you finally told someone mm. um that's just awful I'm I'm so sorry because that you know you've taken that courage to just tell someone that you trust and they've completely sabotaged that safe space for you so yeah, yeah I'm so yeah. sorry that that happened and it's I'm actually really sorry that I told him to be honest because I I, I like you said like I mustered up the courage to tell him, but I was I was sitting beside him for two hours thinking, should I tell him? 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 Should I, tell him? I don't know. And then all of a sudden I told him. And it would just it just it fucking sucked. And I don't know. But he he has no idea about the world. There are a lot of people who live in their bubble, have no idea what people can go through. And and this just goes to show that a lot of people are not ready and but they're not open for it neither because i don't know if you live in your own bubble and somebody comes to you and you well, put them down like that i don't know how humane you are it also says a lot about how, how they're gonna handle trauma or how yeah. they're gonna handle something like this should it happen god forbid you don't want anything like this to happen to anyone exactly how are they gonna handle it you know yeah I can't even imagine having that reaction like what must have been going through his mind to yeah to not be a supportive person to be like mm. oh my god I can't believe you experienced that like yeah what sort of a person does that yeah I was also super in shock too I'm mm. usually I would just I would just you know if you ask for help you get help but then if you if you share something like that, I don't know. This this guy, I've I've never talked to him since. By the way, good. Yeah. Give me his address. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I'll send the dog round. Yeah. Um, obviously, being told you have PTSD, and I hate to talk about labels and things like that, but sometimes that helps people come to terms with it because it kind of aligns all the right. That's why I think about it like that. That's why I'm you know, I, I treat myself, my body this way. I take it that didn't kind of work for you. Um, not until much later when I actually went into therapy. Um, uh, so the first time that I had my panic, had a panic attack um, was um, at my work, actually, the production manager, he um, went off at me because some uh, one of our temp employees did not show up and I was just trying to understand why what, what happened and how is this so detri detrimental to your process and he yeah he got super pissed off at me and that's when I was like okay you're really going too far right now but even though I said that he kept going so that was even scarier. That's like, okay, this real world out here 
even if you have boundaries, they still don't listen. Like, holy shit, can I do this? this? Okay. So I went out of his office. I went into my car and then I had my first panic attack. I'm like, fuck, what is this? I had no idea what's happening. My, I couldn't feel my brain. My hand, my hands were, how do you say that? They, there were pins, had yeah, pins and needles. needles. Yeah. And then I was just stiff everywhere and it felt like I was going to die because my, I couldn't breathe. And I was like, okay, I have to, I don't know what to do. So I just stayed in my car for like 20 minutes. And then when it went away, I was okay. I went home and then it happened again and I had no idea what to do. So I laid on the ground. I'm like, okay, this is it. I don't know what's happening, but and at that moment, I'm like, okay, maybe I can call my doctor. So I call my GP and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I can't breathe. And then they're just like, well, ma'am, you're actually having, having a panic attack. I'm like, okay, so what, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Because I don't know what to do. And they're just like, well, you can come in next week. I'm just like, great. Okay, I'll see you next week. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> next week, okay. Yeah, exactly. Like, what the fuck? You're not helping me at all. Like, okay, whatever. And then, oh, God. And then that happened like 20 minutes. And then I was like, okay this is not good. So the next thing I had was with my manager. I had a, a meeting the next day with my manager because, uh, well, I needed to tell her what happened. And then right after that meeting, I got super sick. I was home for a week. I was, I, I couldn't stand my, my body. I, it just shut down because that happened. It was all of the trauma coming right in again. And then I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know what really to do. So my manager said, let's get a test done so that you can really sh be sure it's PTSD and then see what you can do. That was really amazing of her. Um, so they confirmed, yes, it is PTSD. And then they got me into therapy for, um, well, it was first for long term, but they also said you need something really harsh at the beginning, not harsh, but like really intense in the beginning just to start it off and that was then two weeks in total and every day twice a day emdr um, twice a day um, art therapy and twice a day uh, pmt so pmt i don't know if it's an english thing uh, either but it's basically to reconnect your your mind with your body just to feel really get that connection going again slowly but surely but as we were doing the test um and I got called from the it's actually called the, the first two weeks um I did it at trauma centrum in Nederland and um he he called me the the therapist from trauma centrum Nederland and he asked me a whole bunch of questions like um well are you afraid to go outside sometimes when you think that somebody's outside are you are, are you always in your head are you always overthinking are you having nightmares the nightmares part i didn't know that it was uncommon not to like not to have nightmares i had nightmares almost every day and i didn't know it was not normal because you know you would hear other people say oh i had a nightmare oh okay so that person has a nightmare too okay so that's normal but i had them every night and i always had this idea that something was coming after me a snake especially the snake and then I would fall off things and there was always this person coming behind me well I, we all know who that basically was it was my father who was coming after me in the form of whatever and um that was basically when I thought okay I do have PTSD and this is the cause of it so all of it kind of went into place and also the fogginess in my head I did I didn't know that other people didn't have that either well of course other people have that but then just as much as I did I didn't know that was uncommon but I didn't know that it was it you could do something about it so you can you can really reconnect with the world around you you don't have to be in your head you don't have to be only stuck in your own thoughts. It's okay to come out. It's okay to not think, fuck the world, fuck that guy, be in anger. No, don't. You can always step out 
and that's what that trauma centrum Nederland um, they started they triggered it um, with that that intense two weeks my I called my sister also during those two weeks and she she's like Sam you look like shit I'm like I feel like shit holy crap but I like big how do you say that those the big uh, bags under your eyes yeah the big bags yeah yeah yeah. like huge (laughs) this is like oh god what are they putting you through so but it I've I found it amazing because that therapy made me actually think like reconnect my brain like and it was super intense but at the same time during that therapy they were able to let me know okay you need to you have a past and you can can take care of it so in the form of you have a little child everybody I talked to you guys about this so far but I love little childs in you I'm not a child person but (laughs) but um um they 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 help me find my little child and through uh, an imagination session so really trying to go into that situation what happened back then and reimagine it how i would would have wanted to handle it as me now and really being there for me the little sam makes me emotional even thinking about it (laughs) but you can you can be there for yourself in those situations and you can it's it's back then and what we at at that moment that reimagination session was me against my father Mm -hmm. and my father I was able to stand up to my father and just protect me and my my little me my little Sam she let me back in again and that is so amazing because you just feel like you're you can give love to yourself and it's great so you're just like okay everything is orange and and you can you can get out of your own movie you just need to you need to find your way me it was the reimagination session with a lot of therapy afterwards of course but really paying attention to what you need and being patient with yourself because it's that's what I needed um to understand that I uh, I need a little bit more attention than I thought I did there's a really powerful saying that you've literally you've embodied it's you've become the woman that would have protected you as a child yeah oh that gave me goosebumps (laughs) 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 <laughs> yeah, it's yeah it is and it's 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 a it's a shame that I didn't have any anybody like that before because what what we said before it, you your family should have done that and they didn't and it's it's a shame that it, it they, they they couldn't that they, they did the best they could at what was given them at that moment but it's not up to you. I find it incredibly powerful how you're talking about your journey now and how, you know, like how far you've come in terms of being able to talk about what happened and talking about giving that strength back to that inner child. I find that so emotionally powerful. Um, The question I kind of have now sort of surrounds relationships because you talk about um uh when you were back in college about how there was sort of one night stands and promiscuity and you know I'm I'm wondering in terms of if that was a sort of fear of becoming close with people and protecting yourself but you know throughout your life and I suppose since therapy as well how how have relationships been for you and I'm not just talking about a sort of love relationship but relationships with with everyone forming a bond with someone has that been incredibly difficult for you to do um actually um, I've always been able to have friends however 
to have a real friend with a real deep connection I've never really had until I was done with my therapy actually when I knew myself um, but before it, it's actually really hard because I didn't have boundaries and I would be able to let the other person in front of me feel okay but even if I didn't feel okay I would still let the other person be like okay the, I can say whatever I want do whatever I want and I would yeah, I wouldn't stand up for myself that much and so it was actually really hard to be able to feel okay with that person because I would always be I would always have my walls mm -hmm. so really caring for someone I didn't like at, uh, I did care for people of course but at that at, at another level no because I could I could have a friend and the next day if I didn't see her I'd be okay I'd still be okay and I not even see her but like we wouldn't talk anymore I would I would just leave it because I didn't it it's a weird feeling to understand because to really feel a connection with someone at a deeper level I didn't I didn't know how because I wouldn't trust them and I I still have to this day where I feel that that wall of like okay I'm doing it again I'm making the other person feel good but I don't feel I well I've learned to f to listen to my body but okay this this feels I feel it mostly in my stomach that's why I always have stomach pain <laughs> but um, I feel it in my stomach my stomach tells me okay this is not completely what you want and this is not how you you want to go on so I would I can stop that but before I wouldn't I wouldn't pay attention because a lot of people they would walk all over me and they knew it they would oh they would just say oh but that's Sam yeah she's okay you, you we can we can do whatever I've even had this one time where somebody would be like what did she say she's like oh we well uh we can have a party we can do it at Sam's house and then somebody else somebody else like who was trying to be my friend actually she was really trying to be my best friend but she was just like yeah but Sam are you okay with this and I'm like yeah yeah why not but my <laughs> serious talking to me but my my mom wouldn't have wouldn't have, have never said yes but still I would not come up for myself I would not stand up for myself so it was always make sure the other person feels okay and not myself has that changed has has the kind of inner inner wonder woman now come to the fore and gone nope here is my lasso of boundaries just yeah. here <laughs> <laughs> it was actually yeah it's it, it it when i got out of therapy i had boundaries everywhere <laughs> nobody could cross my boundaries <laughs> because you all of a sudden understand you have boundaries I can put boundaries everywhere <laughs> so making everybody... up for lost time yeah, yeah, yeah. Like confetti. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly oh god it's amazing that I still have friends but <laughs> oh god but no my um I don't know that now it's I, I really try to listen to my body because your body tells you everything. Um, and now I can, I can voice them better, but also understand if I tell someone that I don't like it and they still go over it or they have a problem with it, I won't switch and say, oh, okay, well, you're right. I'll say, yeah, but that's my feeling. Mm. And I have this boundary, so I'm sorry, but I I'm I'm not gonna sit here with this because I don't deserve it. Good, fair play. Yeah, fair play to you. Mm. I have a question um that might be difficult to answer. Um, but childhood sex abuse amongst siblings is something that isn't talked about. 
it's you know child sexual abuse is out there in in common discussion but it's never really about you know the sibling relationship it's you know stepfathers or fathers you you know it's kind of around around there but never siblings yeah and you know and it's coming from victims it's coming from you know the abusers themselves parents who have had children who um, have been abused or are abusers what needs to change to get this message out there because you know it's more common than we think we just don't talk about it what do we need to do yeah I thought about it I I actually more awareness I I think there's so much not said and I just think about my ex (laughs) about how he reacted um he's he's just unaware of what actually happens in the world and sometimes it's actually really hard for people to understand and get a grasp on because he how old were we 18 younger 17 and when you're 17 and then you get to hear something like that I can understand but I don't know that it's it's hard to say because you're actually getting into somebody else's uh space and to actually talk about it i think there needs to be more openness especially coming from parents teaching your children to be more open towards things like this if you hear it if you see someone on the street struggling or if you hear signals even because I don't even know if there were any signals from uh, in Canada but in in Canada my sister she was very vocal about what happened with my father for instance but nobody did anything and also just those those helplines on what can you do as a bystander you don't have to you don't have to be the hero. You don't. We don't need a hero. We just need someone to be there and make sure that we know that you are there because, well, we we we'll go. We'll I I would I would have gone gotten there, but there's really the support. That's what have that would have really helped a lot. Yeah, it's really powerful you saying that about you know just someone just being there and even if it's just to listen because I think there are probably so many people up and down the country across the world that are experiencing this right now and feel like they don't have yeah. someone to talk to um where are you at now because it sounds like you've done so much work on yourself and so much therapy like do you feel anger do you feel I mean, there's, there is a notion, and you sometimes hear people talk about forgiveness with abusers, and it's always been something which I've thought, how can you ever forgive someone that's done that to you? I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me, but then I haven't experienced it. You know, how, how do you feel now about your family and what happened? Yeah, I understand how, how you feel, uh, Katie. My, my previous ex, he, he would he was angry for me actually yeah because it's it's something that you know that is just not not normal and you want to step in and do something about it because you know it was unjust um me I'm not necessarily angry actually I I was I was really really angry because when I was 16 I would um, I was 16 and I moved, well, sorry, my father moved away from us. That's when the anger came in and I was super pissed. I was always an angry child towards him and I would send him angry emails, angry letters, angry Facebook messages because back then we had Facebook and <laughs> we used only Facebook. <laughs> um, but now as I progressed, my my psychologist, they always told me like, okay, 
you can't do anything with them at this moment because they chose. And even if I go to them and scream at them, because I did that via email, <laughs> um, screaming at them, I would get this super bullshit answer back about politics from my father, for instance. He would he would just send me random documents. He would send me random newspapers and super weird shit. And that's when it dawned on me, this guy is crazy. He has no idea about what he did. He thinks it's normal. And what happened to him as a child, I have no idea. Nobody knows, to be honest, because I spoke, of course, to, to his sister, so my aunt, what happened. But my father, he has seven si siblings, and nobody understands what happens. Uh, happened. Nobody. But something snapped in my father, maybe one day with him being under too much stress. stress. So he, he snapped. And what did, it probably felt good because your children actually reacted in the way that you wanted it, wanted them to, scared. And, well, ugh, I guess it felt good. And then the same goes with my, my brother. He had no idea. He was a little child. And then if I, if I try to be angry at him, it won't help me because I'm the one laying in my anger. And it won't help the situation because it's the past. And the past, I can't change the past. It's happened. And if I want to be okay with myself, I have to focus on myself and not be angry at what happened. Because in a sense, I was also angry with myself. Why didn't I do something more? Why didn't I push him off? Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I scream? Why didn't I tell someone? But it doesn't help. Yes, so anger, no. Admirable. So admirable. It's like you've come from, like you've done a cycle. Like you've kind of gone through that anger and yeah. in the light of, do you know yeah. what? It's just me. It's yeah. me that counts. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think it is literally, I think you have to feel the anger, to be honest, first. To be able to go through, um, go through it all let's say to get up be to be okay with yourself i think you have to start with anger mm. because you have to be angry about something about what happened but then deal with it as well mm. yeah this it goes back to what you were saying about finding little sam yeah. someone's got to be angry on her behalf yeah someone has to be because no one was at the time so you have to go through that cycle yeah exactly we cannot thank you enough yeah. for sharing your heartbreaking story, but for allowing us to see your growth, your resilience, just your beauty that you have just got from this traumatic experience. You are just shining an absolute beacon of strength. And I cannot thank you enough. I'm choking up. Um, <laughs> now we offer our um, guests a final sip which oh, yeah. is just a chance for you, a bit of a platform. You can talk about this topic. You could talk about something completely different if you want to, like just completely <laughs> random, you know, just the best place to get chai tea. Um, but anything that you would like to share with our listeners and the Strong Tea family. Um, so the, the floor is yours, Sam. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really good with open floors. I don't like a lot of attention. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I passed it on to you. <laughs> <laughs> um well I I just like to keep it short to be honest I'm not a really big person to <laughs> share a full bunch um but I I just hope that everybody knows that they can also step out of their movie as well they they can find their little their little their little person <laughs> And they can't. They will be okay if they can just find the courage to step up and to be there for themselves. Because 
self-love is so important and you guys talk about it all the time with your on your podcast but you can you can be there for yourself and you can save yourself you have it everybody has it in them you just need to find it i don't think there's a dry eye in the house no. <laughs> I'm sorry. thank I'm you sorry. no thank you sam <laughs> because honestly that's like vicky said that that full circle where you started and everything you've shared with us it's so incredibly powerful and i think there will be people maybe listening to this at various different stages throughout journeys similar to yours who this will resonate with and it, it might give them even even the tiniest bit of strength to push forward and face things and like you say get that anger out deal with it find that love for you I think that's so incredibly powerful and I can't thank you enough for today thank you of course of course always close it up Kate come on come on (laughs) sorry I thought you were closing so I just uh, no it's fine it's fine I'm on it I'm on it Um, well you've um It seems weird to say if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, because obviously it's so incredibly difficult to have listened to. But this platform is something that we are so powerful, you know, you know, passionate about in terms of putting people's stories out there. If we can just help one person, you know, it's it makes all the difference. So anyone who's tuned in and listened to this, thank you. And we have. Um, spoken to so many incredible people over the last two years and shared so many stories so please check out the back catalogue on all major podcast platforms and we do also have a support us page on um, our website where you can buy us a coffee or a chai latte or a stiff drink maybe after that (laughs) (laughs) Um, but thank you everyone especially you Sam for joining us and just being sharing your truth so thank you thank you guys thank you and we look forward to chatting with you all again in the future thanks ever so much everyone bye bye